Investigators, thank you for joining me for this case that is absolutely heartbreaking and still unsolved. And I want to warn you that it is graphic content in nature and for mature audiences. This is a case that is heartbreaking on so many levels because the young woman's son may have witnessed his mom's murder. He was a little boy who police believe was abandoned in a store hundreds of miles away by the man who killed his mom. Before we dive into the case, though, I want to remind you, we have a special shout out to everyone who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. It really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. So please subscribe, rate five star, and write a review. Now, I'm also going to share with you a very, very special podcast that I'm listening to with my nephews. They absolutely love it. It's called Azka's Mystery Podcast. We're going to have more on that after this case. Now, this case is one that I first learned about when I got my second job in TV news in Reno, Nevada at the CBS station KTVN. It's 2003, and almost immediately after orientation, I get up to speed on the case. So it was like, okay, so there's your desk, there's the coffee machine, and oh yeah, there's the bathroom where you put your makeup on. Very glamorous, I know, in TV news. And now we're going to fill you in on the biggest story of the year, which is still unfolding at this point in time, 2003. So cut to right now, 16 years later. This case is still unsolved. And it's a murder mystery case of Jeanette Corpuz. Investigators, you're on deadline. From the Hollywood Hills to your ear holes, this is True Crime Deadline. A podcast discussing cold cases, murder mysteries, and completely random thoughts. Now, here's your host, a man who stands in front of crime scene tape and talks on the TV box for a living, Mr. Mystery himself, Matt Johnson. And thank you, Mr. Announcer Man. So this is the mystery disappearance case of Jeanette Corpus, an endangered person police believe is dead. So at the end of this episode, we're going to have a number for you to call with any information. And please share the episode. As you know, investigators, one tip can crack this case wide open. Let's bring answers to her family. Now it takes place in Reno, Nevada, an old mining town of casinos, young families, and a lot of retirees because there is no state income tax. So a lot of people retire there. Reno is in northern Nevada, about 22 miles from Lake Tahoe, and about six and a half hours drive north of Las Vegas. There's a lot of neon, of course. There is a train that runs through the downtown area. And then there's this arch, and you may have seen a picture of this. It reads, the biggest little city in the world. And it's kind of true. Reno is a small, medium-sized town. It's pretty safe. There's not a whole lot of crime that happens there, which is why this case is so unthinkable. Jeanette Maria Corpus is described as being 5'6", 160 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes. I have her missing persons flyer and a couple pictures from the case file on my Twitter, Instagram, and on my website under truecrimedeadline.com, so please share that. Now it starts, this story, in January of 2003. 28-year-old Jeanette is a newlywed. She's a mother of three and living with her new husband of a month 42-year-old Lyle Montgomery. The two, they met at a store where they worked, Super Kmart. 
He worked in the pharmacy department, he was the manager there, and she worked as a checkout clerk. Despite their 14-year age difference, they hit it off, and they start dating. He was a divorcee and had no kids. She had three kids with sole custody of her little boy, three-year-old Jacob, from a previous marriage. Her other two kids were living with their dad in California, and she would visit them quite often. But she was also starting out a new life in northern Nevada with her new husband when she goes missing. And when she does, we learn quickly that things are not as they seemed. They're scary. On January 13, 2003, Jeanette spends time with a realtor at her house. And they're talking about her moving away, her getting a divorce, and moving with her son to Redding, California. She wants to sell right away. A few days later, she calls her ex-husband in California. And then she's spotted shopping at a local grocery store the next day. And that is the last time she is seen alive by anyone. On January 25th, Jeanette's son Jacob is found abandoned and wandering around a toy section of a store called Shopco, a department store 520 miles away from his house in Salt Lake City, Utah more than seven and a half hours drive away through the mountains in the snow. Jacob is only three years old. He is in shock, he's hungry and confused. He can't remember his last name or the full name of his mom, Jeanette. Now, keep in mind, this is before the time of social media, before Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Even before cell phones are in every single person's hand. The internet is still maturing, So he is put in foster care and police are trying to figure out who he is and the mystery of how he got there. Police get the security video from the store and they release it to the media as soon as they do. The video shows a man in a ball cap and leather jacket and jeans walking into the store holding Jacob's hand and then walking out several minutes later alone, never looking back. The local news plasters the video everywhere, on every single newscast, and it's on the front page of every newspaper. And eventually the story goes national, where it's seen in Reno. And finally someone comes forward. One of Jacob's former babysitters recognizes the little boy and calls police. By now it's been several days since he's been found wandering in the store, and investigators are still trying to catch up, and quickly. Reno police do a welfare check on the house searching for his mother, and no one is home. His mother, Jeanette, has vanished. At this point in time, we still have no idea what's going on. Was the boy abandoned because his parents were in danger? Did his mom just run off? Or did his stepfather do something terrible? And was that the man in the video? Police in Reno and in Salt Lake and the FBI are working round the clock to find the answers. And they bring in a psychologist to start questioning the little boy again. And then there's a bombshell. Jacob tells police his stepfather Lyle pointed a gun at his mother and fired a shot. But he missed. Instead, shooting the dresser next to the bed. Around this time, I remember Reno Police Chief Jerry Hoover, he does an interview with my station and says, the evidence points to foul play, but they need more proof. 
Investigators get a search warrant and they go inside the home. All the cameras are out front. And they recover several guns, knives, boxes of ammunition, and the bed and the dresser they find are missing from the master bedroom. And there's a large amount of blood in the room. More blood drops in the shower, the hallway, and the front door. There is so much blood in the bedroom that it soaked through the carpet and the padding and stained the floor underneath. But there was no body to be found. While investigators are collecting evidence, police start looking into the couple's past. They discover Jeanette went to the police a few months prior in October and reported Lyle as abusive. He was never charged, and Jeanette went back to him, thinking that things were going to get better. They also discover that one month before she disappeared, the couple had gotten married at a chapel in downtown Reno, which might not have been a legal marriage, because Jeanette may have still been married to her ex-husband in California. That's according to him, who says that he had no idea that she was even dating anyone and thought that his wife and son were living with a couple of friends. Now, at this point, police are convinced that Lyle got upset with Jeanette and murdered her in their master bedroom, dragged her body through the house, and cleaned up in the bathroom. But they don't have enough evidence to charge him with murder. Police get a search warrant, and they go back to the house, where they find Lyle on the floor in the fetal position with a loaded gun 20 feet away and several rounds of ammunition near a plastic bag. They take Lyle in for questioning, and then they notice something is very, very wrong. He can't concentrate. He can't answer questions. He has overdosed on sleeping pills and alcohol and needs to be rushed to a nearby hospital for treatment. Now, keep in mind, he's a pharmacist with access to all sorts of drugs, and he would know better than anyone what dose would be lethal. But this gets him out of police questioning, right? So he's put in a psychiatric hospital for an evaluation for 72 hours. He's handcuffed, and he's hauled off. Eventually, he would be charged with domestic violence and assault with a dangerous weapon from the October incident for beating her, pointing a gun at her, and refusing to let her leave. A few days later, Salt Lake City police charge him for child endangerment and call him back to be extradited to Utah, which is an unusual step for a misdemeanor charge, but prosecutors say that they believe, because of the nature of the case, they want him there. They want to try him. Lyle hires an attorney, Mark Picker, who argues Montgomery, Lyle Montgomery, had nothing to do with Jeanette Corpus's death or her disappearance. He says that Jeanette was the violent one and stabbed him a few months back in October when she was angry. The attorney also says that Jeanette has disappeared before, missing for days, which is confirmed by her family, who tell me, yes, she has gone missing before, sure, but she always reaches out, and she comes back home, and she always asks about her kids. She wouldn't do this to her kids. His attorney goes on, and he argues against the video in Salt Lake. He says, you don't have evidence. This is a video where you can't see the man's face. And of course, yes, the little boy is confused. He misses his mom and dad, and he lives with Lyle. So when you put pictures down, of course, he's going to identify Lyle as the man he last saw in that video. 
So police, they figure they need more evidence. And they do a DNA test on the bloodstains. And it comes back as a match to Jeanette. They get a search warrant for a storage unit rented by Lyle. And they collect a lot of evidence that they call very suspicious and alarming. They go back to their witness, three-year-old Jacob, who is staying with a foster family in Utah. Jacob tells police about the shooting. And a long drive through the mountains, which would make sense and fit the drive from Reno to Salt Lake. But when police ask him if he knows where his mom is, he says, I don't know, and he starts crying. On April 8th, four months after Jeanette was reported missing and Jacob, her little boy, was found abandoned, there was a court hearing, a bail hearing. His attorney argues that there is no body. Jeanette has disappeared before. And the judge listens to all of this. Despite a detective testifying that Lyle had been shopping for a hitman to kill his young wife and that he assaulted her the night before she disappeared, the judge agrees to lower the bail amount from $2.5 million to $150,000 and he gets out. He was staying with a friend in an apartment per court orders because he couldn't live alone. And he had to go to therapy and take medication. But while staying there, I remember exactly. There was a call that went over the scanner that changed everything in this case. There was a report of a man who shot himself. His friend, who was a security guard, went to the store. And when he returned, he found his roommate, Lyle Montgomery, dead. He didn't leave a note. Jeanette's body has never been found. Lieutenant Ron Holliday, who worked the case, told me that he believed that Lyle killed Jeanette and dumped her body somewhere. But he also told reporters at the time, quote this, Our investigation is pretty much where it was, with the exception we don't have to prepare for a trial. The Reno police investigation into the case is still cold. As for the kids, Jacob was living with his biological father in California after all of this. He would have just finished high school. He would have gone to prom last year. A lot of milestones that his mom, Jeanette, have missed out on. That they, as a family, have missed out on. Her other two kids are also with their biological father, who claims something really very strange and something that would change this case forever if it were true. He says that he spoke with Jeanette days after she disappeared, after police think that she was already murdered. Jeanette Corpuz would be 44 years old today. She was known sometimes to use the last names Montgomery, Snyder, or her maiden name, Accord. Anyone with any information, please call Reno Police. The number is 775-334-2155. Again, I have her picture and her missing persons flyer on my website truecrimedeadline.com Investigators, until next time. Thank you for investigating True Crime Deadline with Matt Johnson. For more information about the podcast, visit truecrimedeadline.com And remember, all tips regarding a case should go to the police. Until next time. Mr. Gatsby, want a cookie? (laughs)
the boy. Hey, investigators, thank you for joining me for this episode. Please be sure to check out the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages under True Crime Deadline. You can find the link in the show notes and the official website, truecrimedeadline.com. And while you're there, you can check out the videos and pictures from the different cases and behind-the-scenes stuff of the podcast, including more about me, your host, Matt Johnson. And be sure to sign up for email alerts. That's coming soon, and I'll tell you about upcoming episodes as well. I want you to feel a part of this true crime journey, so feel free to suggest cases that you would like me to cover. Reach out, as always. If you write a review on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to give you a shout-out. Now, a special shout-out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts, and that goes out to Willette, Diet Pet Fan, 7-Eleven, and January Jane. January, also, thank you for writing a cute little note about my cute little French bulldog, Mr. Gatsby, my crime canine that is actually pictured on my website. He says hi. Um, again, it really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed, so thank you. It's easy, it's free. Um, please give five stars and write a review and tell a friend. And be sure to include your real name and your podcast if you want, if you're a podcaster, because I'd love to give you a proper shout out and you credit. Now, I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast that I'm listening to. Now, this one is short, under five minutes, the story's perfect for kids and you, something to do together maybe. And it's written and told by a little person, Azka whose wish from Make-A-Wish Foundation was to have her own podcast, and it's called Azka's Mystery Podcast. Take a listen. My name is Azka. Azka Sharif. I am five years old. I am in kindergarten at Stevenson School in Des Plaines, and I am doing a podcast on a story I wrote. The name is The Stealer of the Diamond. Listen to this episode of Azka's Mystery Podcast, written and created by five-year-old Azka. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. And please spread the word about Azka's podcast. Let's really make this special for her, her wish. Um, so I have information in my show notes and on my website, truecrimedeadline.com. Please share it. Now, I also want to reintroduce you to a podcast that I absolutely love. It's called Just the Tipsters. Take a listen. <laughs> Hello, tipsters. This is Melissa Morgan. I'm the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast because people are awful and they kill each other. Tipsters, this is Melissa Morgan, the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast. Have you ever wanted to kill anyone? Hey, tipsters. My name is Melissa Morgan, and I'm the host of Just the Tipsters True Crime Podcast, America's favorite true crime podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcast. I don't know where the... You can find us. How about that? Just and find us and listen and we're and you'll really like it is that okay just the tip stirs with melissa morgan is actually available on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast subscribe rate review you'll be glad you did 
And you can find Azka's podcast, Just the Tipsters, and this one on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Alexa. You know what? Basically, like she said, anywhere that you get your podcast, where you binge, we are there and we're waiting for you. I'm also excited to tell you about next week's episode, which is going to be on the case of Kathy Augustine. Kathy Augustine was a rising star within the Republican Party in the state of Nevada until she was impeached. She was impeached for a very specific reason. The trial was very, very dramatic, in fact. And then she's discovered dead. And they think it's by natural causes until they discover something on her body, which points to murder. I'm going to go over the case. I'm going to go over the case evidence and the trial that follows. You're going to be glued to your seat. There is a lot of red herrings and a lot of twists and turns. So I hope you join me. Investigators, until next time.